Hello and welcome to Calling All Detectives from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Calling all detectives. A sample of pure iridium, a bear cub, and a check for a million dollars. Those are the exhibits on this page from my casebook. The casebook of Jerry Browning, private detective. Every once in a while, a private detective like me, Jerry Browning, gets a case that stops him cold. Sleigh bells, Mr. Browning, sleigh bells. I carry them with me always. They are symbolic of the snow, the cold, beautiful, inscrutable snow. That was my introduction to J. Parkington Warmhurst. He was wearing a parka and a fur-lined jacket and seemed completely comfortable, in spite of the fact that it was a warm Indian summer day. Whack or not, J. Parkington Warmhurst was one of the three richest men in town. So I nodded wisely as he said, all my life, Mr. Browning, I have been intrigued by the mystery of the white wastes of the polar regions. Would that I could have been an intrepid adventurer. But no, I must stay here, the slave to an inherited fortune. My grandfather, William Worthington, Warmhurst, was the patent medicine king. He didn't have to tell me. That old-time medicine man's wealth was very solid stuff. Proof even against the Sharpies, who were always trying to help his descendant get rid of it. Mr. Browning, two years ago, I backed an expedition to the Antarctic. It was my vicarious voyage. I couldn't resist it, even though my attorneys told me I was simply throwing the money away. How much did you put up? Who was in charge of the expedition? I invested $70,000. Johnny Howard was the expedition leader. He arrived back in town yesterday, alone. He'd had a most successful trip. He did, huh? Well, how come there was nothing about it in the papers? Wamhurst leaned close to me, reached in his pocket, dropped something on my desk. It was a blob of dull, silvery metal. We have deliberately kept his return a secret, Mr. Browning, and that object is the reason. Johnny Howard tells me it is iridium, an extremely rare and valuable metal. He claims he has discovered an enormous field of it in the Antarctic. Wants me to invest a million dollars for the development of that field. Mr. Browning, I want you to prove or disprove the genuineness of his story. Even if you have to go to the South Pole to do it. 
An eccentric client with a million dollars to spend on an expedition told me to investigate it even if I had to go to the Antarctic. Instead, I went to the Acme Laboratory and hung around watching the technicians put the metal through a bunch of tests. This is iridium, all right, Mr. Browning. That hunk of metal is worth plenty. The stuff's like platinum, only better because it's harder and heavier. Incidentally, it's, uh, it's so pure, I think it's been refined. I brought the Acme Lab report to my client, J. Parkington Warmhurst. Found him out on the sun deck of his 40-room house. This time he was wearing slacks and a pair of Eskimo mucklucks and playing with a fuzzy polar bear cub. The cub was cute and kittenish. Warmhurst fondled it gently while he read the report. How do you like him, Mr. Browning? I call him Howie in honor of the donor. Iridium wasn't the only valuable thing Johnny Howard brought back from the South Pole. Made me a present of this cub, too. Wasn't that generous of him? Well, considering that Howard had taken Warmhurst for 70 grand and was after another million, I figured he could afford to be generous. But I didn't say so. Instead, the lab reports that the stuff is iridium, all right, Mr. Warmhurst, but suspiciously pure. Warmhurst nodded absently. Imagine a field of pure iridium. Well, Mr. Browning, you've given fast, satisfactory service. Just send me your bill. Send you my... Hey, wait a minute. I've just begun this investigation. Oh, no, you're finished. I am now completely convinced of Johnny's reliability. How do you like that? Give a guy a cuddly bear cup and get the combination to his safe in return. I pleaded with Warmhurst, argued, got abusive, and finally, okay, Mr. Warmhurst, if you say I'm through, I'm through. But I would like a chance to meet a big-time explorer like Howard. Can you arrange it? Why, certainly, certainly. He's staying right here with me. You can meet him at once. But please don't offend him. We left the bear cubs snoozing in the sun. In a very handsome suite on the second floor of the house, I was introduced to Johnny Howard, a handsome hunk of man. He was a good six feet three, and his face had the rugged, leathery look that comes only from being out in the elements. Or under a strong sun lamp. Glad to meet you, Browning. You're an explorer also, eh? Digging out crime, unearth and murderers, and all that sort of thing. The vigilance that never sleeps. Say you ought to come back with me to the South Pole. You could get a lot done in the course of a day. Because our days are six months long. <laughs> I didn't like his laugh, and I didn't like his rover boy personality. What's more, I didn't go for that stuff about the long days and nights of the Antarctic. Every school kid knows that. I wondered why Johnny Howard thought it necessary to drag this fact into the conversation. And then I wondered about something else. A vague something, not even a memory I could focus on. It was more like the memory of a memory. I left the Warmhurst mansion, drove to the library. I got a book about polar explorations. I found out that the South Pole is at latitude 60. Its elevation, 10,200 feet. Its temperature, 70 below in winter. I couldn't picture Johnny Howard in that. Then I had it. I'd captured that missing memory. I left the library. In front of the bear cages at the city zoo, the head keeper answered my question simply by pointing at a descriptive placard. I dashed back to the Warmhurst mansion just in time to see my ex-client hand a check to Johnny Howard. I made a grab for it. Howard, you're a fake and a phony. And you'd better start figuring out how you're going to pay back that 70 grand you got from Warmhurst on false pretenses. That's all there was to it. Howard gave up without a murmur. Not the 70 grand he'd spent that long ago. What he surrendered was the hopes of another million. 
Wamhurst wouldn't prosecute, said he'd chalk it all up to experience, because he was the kind of fool who'd learn in no other school. Yeah? Howard admitted he took Wamhurst's money, went to South America for a couple of years, and when he was ready to make the big killing, showed up again with a purchased sample of iridium and a polar bear cub he'd got from a farm in Minnesota. He should have planned his background more carefully. I found out at the zoo that polar bears live only at the North Pole. In fact, the South Pole has no land animals of any kind. Like I said, when somebody offers you a deal, there's only one way to be sure you won't be left out in the cold. And that's before you invest, investigate. 